Greetings, listeners in Listenerland. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what is happening regionally, nationally, and internationally. It's a great day outside. Nina Ferrigno, she's director at the Missouri Chamber Music Festival, and she's also a teacher of applied music at Washington University in St. Louis, adjunct professor at Webster University, and a pianist for the St. Louis Symphony. Wow, Nina, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Hi, thank you. It's nice to be here. You have an outstanding resume. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we delve into the Missouri Chamber Music Festival. And the reason we're talking to you is that you're celebrating your 12th anniversary this season, and you have a big, fun event coming up. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm originally from the East Coast. I grew up in New Hampshire and started playing the piano when I was, well, formally when I was nine, although I was my dad's a pianist, so he was teaching me from probably around the age of six. And, yeah, and the part of New Hampshire that I'm from is southern central, and so it's not too far from Boston, and Boston is where I had all of my musical life before moving here to St. Louis in 2007. So I'm a graduate of the New England Conservatory of Music with both a bachelor's and master's in performance. And I particularly love contemporary music and working with composers, living composers. So that's a lot of what I was doing in Boston before I moved here. So I was part of the Boston Modern Orchestra Project, was their keyboard player for about 10 years. And also was doing chamber music with Boston Symphony, which is something I still kept up with. Yeah, I have a piano trio and we are active in commissioning and working with living composers, having recently premiered a piece written for us by James Lee III, who St. Louis audiences are really getting quite familiar with. The St. Louis Symphony has been doing a lot of James's work at Powell Hall, and I think they have a premiere event with him this year, too. So he's writing a piece just for them. So. Are there Technical differences between, now this is really going to be a technical question, are there technical differences Mm -hmm. between what you would call like classical romantic piano music, I'm talking about Liszt and Schumann, and versus modern music? I think that's what I've always tried to show is that they're not so different, that we're, it's all continuum from all of our Western (laughs) classical music culture to now, but there are composers are finding, they're expressing their own unique voices. So whether that is through exploring different sounds or dropping a formal use of tonality or something like this. So in that sense, it can be that there's quite a technical difference in how I'm approaching a piece of Mozart as opposed to approaching a piece of Annika Sokolovsky, who came to St. Louis, and I played a piece of hers in which I had to bow inside the piano. So there were these special actual horsehair bows that were made that I strung underneath certain pitches inside of the instrument, and I created sound by by 
getting that to the string to vibrate by friction of the hair of the bow on the string. Wow. And there's, it's wonderful. I, it's something that I just, I love being that person that gets the music to live on the stage. And a lot of people so. won't delve into the modern music as much as you have. It's Some of it might be a little scary for some people. Mm-hmm. They really right. want to stick to the quote-unquote classics. Yep and perform those. Yeah. Do you find that, that is, those walls are breaking down a little bit? I think that it's, uh, yes, I think audiences are ready to hear what's going on in the today with composition, but I think that as much as we can break down barriers to, and I think pe- audiences really want to know that they're going to enjoy something or that it's okay for them to not, know what's going on, that they're just going to feel something when they're listening to a new piece. I think that's typically, there's been this kind of reluctance to try something new. And I think the more that we can draw those connections between the new pieces that people are going to hear and talk about these composers as humans and what their musical influences were or what drives them in their creative process, that it really can humanize the whole experience for audiences. So I think that's, and that's definitely been a push all around the industry for many years. And I think that we're seeing the positive benefits of that. Now this um, is, no, far, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, as far as like individuals like wanting to launch into performing a lot of contemporary music, I think um, it's just such an individual thing. It's where do people feel that they're, making a difference with their music or where do they feel that they're being able to express themselves or sides of their artistic selves. We're talking to Nina Ferrigno. She's the director at the Missouri Chamber Music Festival, and there's an event that's going to be taking place Friday, November the 11th, a trivia night and silent auction at the Heights, and the doors open at 6 p.m., trivia at 7 p.m., and we'll get into that a little bit more. Nina, on the Missouri Chamber Music Festival, discuss the history of that. This is your 12th anniversary. and It's actually our 13th. Today, and the whole, yeah, circulating year number 12 is my gaff because, of course, the COVID pandemic, we lost a couple of in-person seasons. So I think I got my math all messed up. That's okay. <laughs> So the 13th yes, um, season, What discuss the beginnings of this, and what are some of the highlights that you've seen along the way? Oh, yeah, I'm happy to do that. So the, the Missouri Chamber Music Festival was formed in 2010 by myself and my husband at the time, Scott Andrews, and we were just wanting to have, at that time in St. Louis, there, we felt like there just wasn't a lot of extra music happening in town. That was something that we had missed quite a lot from coming from Boston, where it's just there's a glut of this kind of chamber music offerings. I think I I should say that at the time, I think everyone had that same great good idea because the, of course, now we have Chamber Project St. Louis, and we also have the Chamber Music Society all doing wonderful things in town. But we, so we, yeah, we wanted to do a festival format, which for us doesn't necessarily mean playing outside, but it means having in a one week period, as many concerts as we can handle and just inviting people from out of town to collaborate with the wonderful musicians that we have in town to put 
on uh, you know, four wonderful programs of chamber music. We started, the first season was 2011. One of the things that we're committed to is this idea of contemporary music. For many years, we were having a composer in residence. Derek Burmel was our first one, and he also came back as both a player performer five years later. Yeah, throughout the years, we've had just wonderful composers here with us for the concerts. And when that hasn't been possible, we've still featured the compositions of one composer. And that's been very exciting. We build our programs, varied instrumentation, varied um, yeah, style periods of classical chamber music. And so people are really getting a, a very lively concert experience. And if they're able to come to all the concerts in the week, they're getting a larger perspective. We try to program that way. Over the years, I think we've done a lot of collaborative events. I was thinking about this the other day, that it's been 10 years since we collaborated with a dance company on the anniversary of Stravinsky. It was 100 years since the Rite of Spring, but right. we had gone ahead and done L'Histoire de Soldat, and its original version. So we had dancers and we had narration, and the narrator was David Robertson, wow. who was music director of the St. Louis Symphony at the time. And that was quite an event for us. And we paired that concert with a premiere of a work written by wonderful composer Amy Beth Kirsten, that was inspired by Stravinsky. So she had, it was called Kiss to the Earth, and it was for piano trio and doing a lot of extended techniques and playing quite a lot of percussion, actually. And we've also done some partnerships with artists who have painted while we are performing and then having their work displayed. Oh, wow. um, that was another new composition nice. written by Lansing McCloskey that was called Glisten. And each movement was about tone color. And But he had always intended that it like immediately responded to visually. So hmm. we were thrilled to be able to, to do that. And actually, there's a video recording of the event that, that launched that for the festival on our website. That's fascinating. Uh, yeah, yeah. But we just, I think for me, the most satisfying thing has been programming and getting these pieces and these programs together and getting these people to come to St. Louis to play and getting to work with so many amazing artists just in all disciplines. And where are the performances held so people can get an idea about that? Yes. So we... Uh, Hold the concerts at the First Congregational Church of Webster Grove, which is right on the corner of Lockwood and Elm. And three of our concerts are usually there. And then we are we partner with Washington University Department of Music. So typically our morning concert, which has been on Wednesday mornings, is held at the Pillsbury Theater at the 560 Music Center in U City. Uh. Very good. We've been talking to Nina Ferrigno. She is director of the Missouri Chamber Music Festival, and they have an event coming up on Friday, November the 11th. It's a trivia night and silent auction, and she's been talking to us about her background and the Missouri Chamber Music Festival. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about that event and getting more details. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back for our next segment. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. 
At St. Louis In Tune, we strive to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories, as well as interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. We cover a wide range of topics, such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports, and that's just to name a few. While St. Louis In Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we also connect to what's going on nationally as well. If you missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis In Tune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. There you'll find the show notes and everything that was mentioned in that episode and all the other great episodes as well. And if you've got an area that you'd like us to examine deeper, just let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis In Tune. It's heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com and many great radio stations around the U.S. and, of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website, again, is stlintune.com. Visit us today. That's stlintune.com. Welcome back to St. Louis In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We're having a conversation with Nina Ferrigno, director of the Missouri Chamber Music Festival. And, Nina, there's this event coming up for the Chamber Festival on November the 11th. It's a Friday at 6 p.m. It's a trivia night and silent auction. And discuss that event yeah. a little bit and why are you having that and where are the funds going to go? Okay, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity of uh, being able to tell people about it right before the pandemic lockdown, which I mean really right before. I think it was January 31st. We held our first ever trivia night silent auction fundraiser and it was not only just a ton of fun but was very successful and I really credit that event with helping us make it through the pandemic. So we're just really excited, we being me and the board of directors of the Missouri Chair Music Festival to be able to put on a second one. So yes, so we're, it's, as you mentioned, it's Friday, November 11th at the Heights in Richmond Heights. Doors will open at six and trivia will begin at seven. We're selling individual tickets for $25 or you can get a table of eight for 200. We have a lot of, a wide range of trivia categories. So it's not, I promise it's not all going to be the Baroque era of classical <laughs> Really? <laughs> what is a Picardy third? Oh. There you go. If you've taken music history and, and survived through Renaissance oh, okay. music history, you'll do well. Really, you, you want people to show right. up, don't really. you? Exactly. Okay, like right. we're we're a fun bunch. Like, <laughs> I don't just mean classical music fun. Holy <laughs> moly! Okay, but there will be some music-related questions, and we'll I hope they're the easy, though. Hole. Nina, I hope they're easy. Yes. Like, how many members of the Beatles are there? (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think it's going to skew more towards popular music. A rock chamber group. Oh, Lord. uh, And we've got a 50-50 raffle, some side games that will go on. Hope there might be a surprise performance or two, something very short, because we don't want to drag trivia out too long into the evening. But then we've got some wonderful silent auction items, a lot of house concerts and experiential items to to bid on, which I think is really going to be fun for people to participate in. So the the Heights is just just east of Hanley Road on Dale. 
So f- in case folks yeah, don't know. exactly. You know, it's in Richmond. Yeah, it's yeah. There, By Highway 40, yeah, 64. Center. Okay, I'm sorry. Yep. I just, yep. I, I want, we you want people to right go. Yep. It sounds like so much fun. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a really great night, I'm sure. And what we're using the money for, we're really in a period of growth. This was something that we had a strategic plan in place prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. And we are really wanting to get back on track with growing the festival and growing, particularly making more solid the infrastructure of management for the group. But as is always the case, most of our fundraising is used directly for producing the season and for producing the concert. We, we always are renting a piano and we're always have a lot of other instruments that we're dealing with and getting music and all of the things that go into and of course paying our musicians and bringing in people from out of town. I, yeah. Is one of those silent auction items a Boysendorfer piano? It's not, but I will say that it's one of the silent auction items is an original composition written for you wow. uh, by a St. Louis, wonderful St. Louis composer, Christopher Stark. And so he's actually in Rome right now. He's on the, he's the recipient of the Rome Prize in composition this past year. So he's uh, having a year in Rome and I've asked him if he would be willing to do this. And he said, sure. And so, it, I don't know, to me, I think that would be the most fascinating thing. That to is. Have. Can't yeah. imagine what it would sound like. Is it like an autobiography of your life? There once was a guy named Mark. What? <laughs> <laughs> and it goes in it. <laughs> Wait, isn't that a limerick? <laughs> okay, sorry. Thank you. Okay, just to be clear. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you get all these folks to come to St. Louis like that, I know you have multiple contacts, and everybody has the personal contacts like that. You just call them up, email them, and say, hey, would you be willing to do this? And they go, yeah, I'd do that, or they no, I can't do that. How do you get people to come in like that? Yeah, that's basically how it goes. I am always looking for a chance to work with my trio. So my trio is the Calix Piano Trio, and violinist in that is Catherine French, and she's a Canadian violinist. She's an American citizen now, but and she's a member of the Boston Symphony. And then Jennifer Lucht, who's a fine cellist also in Boston. And, and so a lot of, I'm programming and I'm thinking of who's going to play what, who would really shine in certain pieces and the energy of certain performers with certain composers is a big thing and then i go around and i ask all they can do Um, is say no that's right (laughs) yeah exactly that's that process for next june is happening now i just had a meeting this week with a wonderful mezzo soprano benedetta orsi who's going to be featured in several of the chamber music programs for june and we had a lovely time just talking through different repertoire um and yeah and reading poems because you know, that's the reading the libretto of right. whatever these pieces are. Yes. <laughs> so in this question, I, I was thinking as I was trying to figure out how I was going to phrase this, all of your roles that you're doing as looking at the Chamber Music Festival, as a professor at Webster University and WashU, and being a performer, a pianist, mm-hmm. they all seem to 
interact with each other to do what you're doing right now. My my question, is there more of a favorite role? I know performers really like to perform, but then you get into other things like, okay, I would like to teach, or let's share this with other people. Because what you're doing right now is it's very detail-oriented, as performing is, as teaching is, but it's in mm-hmm. a different manner, and it takes you away from those things, or do you see that it really folds in together with the other two? Yes, I, I do, actually. I think because of the time of year or how the festival is, is planned for, I find that endeavor incredibly creative because I get to be dreaming of programs that make sense and trying to stretch into new areas or trying to have new work commissioned. And it, um, but that's at a time, that's all I can dream about that and have that in my head as I'm making plans for June while I'm in my performing season or in my academic season with teaching and, and playing. So I do feel like it doesn't take away from from the performing or the or the teaching. It actually sort of inspires certain aspect of that, a certain creative part of both of those things. Because it makes me ask programming. I think makes you ask questions like, "What is that piece about? And why did the composer write that? And what? Why would you put it with a certain other piece? What do you want to say with this program?" And sometimes you don't have to say anything. It's just about having romantic fun, hearing all these pieces together. But but that should be a conscious choice. Until yeah, I wonder if you explain yeah. those pieces, like modern pieces, to the audience when before you perform them or talk about the composer, because it, it's an, almost as much as educating them to know what they're listening for and listening to, so that there's an appreciation. Mm-hmm. Great question. Yeah, that was the whole point of having a composer in residence was to be able to have the composer with us to give concert talk and have a Q&A after hearing their music about what inspired them with a certain piece or with a certain way that they compose. Um, we do typically have program notes for all the pieces that we're performing and in the case of when a composer can't, a living composer can't be here, they usually write their own note about the piece to give it a little bit of context. And we do make it a point of just being on hand after concerts. We want that interaction between audience and performers so people can just get questions answered. But yes, we most certainly do try to draw those connections and put, yeah, just I guess a different expectation or explanation. Hopefully, I think most composers don't really want to feel like they have to explain their music. I think on a le- definitely a big level, it's just like, it's music, enjoy it. Yeah. We've having a conversation with Nina Ferrigno. She's the director at the Missouri Chamber Festival, and there's an event that they are sponsoring, a trivia night and silent auction Friday, November the 11th at the Heights. That's 8001 Dale Avenue in Richmond Heights. It is just east of Hanley Road at Interstate 6440. And the doors open at 6, trivia at 7. Tickets are $25 each, $200 for a table of 8. And where would people get tickets? You can get tickets by going to the Missouri Chamber Music Festival website, which is www.mochambermusic.org. And, yeah, there's a link there that will just take you over to Eventbrite. And you can get your table. 
And my last question, and I always do this when I talk mm-hmm. to artists, whether they be musical or visual what? or this the any kind question? of performing artists. This is the last question? This is the last mm-hmm. question, Mark. Well, can I ask her a question? Sure. This is the, se- <laughs> this is the second to last I know, question. I know. Mark. <laughs> second last question. No, Mark. No. <laughs> you can't. Really? I knew. I knew Nina would come around. Okay. So. <laughs> I love the piano, Nina. I just, it, it's got, it, it, you find it to be a difficult instrument to play. It's such, it's to me, it's such a cold instrument i don't want to make it sound but to make have feeling to make a piano like a guitar where you can stretch those you can stretch the uh, the uh, the strings and things like that but a piano right it, it's just uh, to me it's i'm amazed and fascinated and i'm just in awe about folks that uh-huh. are pianists so anyway that's all i have that was a statement, Mark, oh, wasn't wait, a question? Was a a question? Sta- I guess it, it started out as a question and became a statement, but I know. Well, do you want me to, do you want me to say yeah, whether yes, I it, think it's hard to play? Yes, is it hard to play? Yeah. I, okay. I don't know. Oh, my God. I stumped <laughs> it. Did I stump Nina? No. <laughs> okay. Sorry. All right. It's All right. a wonderful instrument. It's the best instrument. Of course, you're talking to me, and of course, I'm going to say that. And yeah. I'm looking, I'm in my studio at Washington University looking at my studio piano. But it's, to me, I think... What I have found really fascinating playing the piano and being able to express whatever I want through that instrument oh. is a sense of playing inside the mechanics of the instrument, right? So oh. on its surface, you're like, oh, look at all those buttons. They're even color-coded for our ease of use, and we just hit them. But it's so much more than that. So there's a whole sound world of balancing your depth with which you play the key and the speed with which you do that and the force with which you're balancing. So it, it creates, there's just a whole infinitive, infinite, excuse me, range of color and sound that can be gotten well, from the piano. Well, and that's what's wonderful. And you have quite a, a talent, a natural talent, I would say almost. God, what a connection <laughs> has to be between your hands and your feet. And yeah. your eyes, it just, it's unbelievable to play yeah. a piano to me. I've always been fascinated. But yeah. I played when I was a young lad. wish I had always stayed with it, but um, it's just a yeah. beautiful instrument. It is. And it thank is you, thank you for the explanation. It was much better than the question. <laughs> but anyway. And you sound like you, you really enjoy what you're doing. And that is, and I'm just going to make a comment here that sometimes... You talk to people, we do here on the show, or I'm a former music person, so you talk to other musicians and Mm -hmm. they're a little stuffy. You're not stuffy at all. (laughs) You're really laid back and you enjoy what you do. And I could probably tell your students, you're probably very hard, they enjoy what they're learning from you because you're continuing to learn. And this goes back now to Mm -hmm. my last question. Okay, here's now, this is the official. Is that it seems like you've gotten your inspiration to play, I'm guessing, from your father, and then you picked up some things mm-hmm. along the way. But my question to you is, what suggestions do you have for budding pianists or other budding musicians who want to really go into that as a profession? Because it's very difficult. Oh, yeah. It's a real dog-eat-dog. Mm-hmm. You have to sacrifice a lot of your life in the practice room, and you, you, do. you give up mm-hmm. some things. So what advice do you give somebody who's wanting to do that for a living? I would say that there's you have to have faith and trust in the process and the process is practicing and it is really about getting making your life simple in a way by getting with the best teacher you can and 
doing what they're telling you at first. It's through that that you get you front load all the work as a pianist. So then you are able to play anything. That's really the goal. We have so much repertoire. And I would say with young pianists, you just have to be playing going through that repertoire. Like, you you can't know at age 15 that you're going to specialize in Bach. You have to, without having played Rachmaninoff and Chopin and, and everyone else, it's just working hard and, yeah, eating it up. Okay. Our conversation with Nina Ferrigno, who is the director at the Missouri Chamber Music Festival, has come to a conclusion. We've played the coda, and... <laughs> How about that one, Nina? I've thrown these musical expressions in here. I know, right? I don't don't I have forget. No idea what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> don't forget about the trivia night and silent auction Friday, November the 11th. The doors open at 6 p.m. Trivia at 7 p.m. It's at the Heights on 8001 Dale. Tickets are $25 or $200 for a table of eight, and you can get tickets at the Missouri Chamber Music Festival. Repeat that one again, Nina. It's the website, and it's www.mochambermusic.org, O-R-G. Mochambermusic.org. Nina, thanks very mm-hmm. much. You have some activities going on. We'd love to be able to have a conversation and promote those for you. What an enjoyable time we've had. Thank you so much. Same here. Thank you. Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast to keep up on all of the latest episodes. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.